I'm Jason Klom, and this is Comedy on Vinyl. The year is 1960, the album 2000 Years with Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks, the artists. Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks. My guest this week is Get. My guest is. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, here's how my brain is fried. I wrote guest, colon, Corey Ryan Forrester, and I just almost said my guest this week is guest, Corey Ryan Forrester. So, Jesus Christ, thanks for being here. <laughs> hey, I'm glad to be here. Oh, holy crap. Listen, you got my name right. That's way more than so many people do, so oh, I don't no. give a shit if you fumble over it. What What are they... Can I ask what they normally say? Because oh, people fuck my name up all the time. So it's not. There's not a norm. I mean, I, Cody a lot, uh, and then they'll just Foster is the last name, even though there's it's not Foster is a completely different name. Uh-huh. Uh And I have had one time someone called me, and this had to be a rib. This had to be on purpose, but it was a Booker, it was Cody, Ron, Foster, all three names, <laughs> completely wrong. And then and and it got to be where it happened so much that I'm like clearly it's me like it's my name it's like it happens all the time it doesn't happen to the other two dudes that i'm touring with but then it like it was on a we did a uh we did a weekend and i don't yeah we did a couple shows at the wilbur theater in boston and we sold mm -hmm. it out and that was a really big deal for us like we graduated the theater sold out this and and we get there and i'm so excited i'm running down the street to see my name on the marquee and it's Carrie Forrester and and I'm like you're not even why are you going off memory like we're our name is on the ticket like just we put the letter and the, the guys will say that I had a diva moment. I didn't have a diva moment. I just went in there and explained that I didn't go to college. And this is as close as I've ever had to a graduation. And could you please put an O where the A is? That's it. That's all I wanted. That's, I just need, I need yeah. to see that. Yeah. Well, like I, I get it. People think my last name is clam all the time. And what complicates it further is that most people who have my last name pronounce it clam. Oh, really? My wing of the family is the only ones who goes with the original German, which is Klom. Klom. And the problem is it means moist. So it's not oh, an exciting name. It's like not a, a clam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And also, it is, I think it might be the origin of that. That It's fucking... So what are you going to do? Yeah, but still, what are you going to do? Put the man's name on the marquee. Get it right. Um, you picked 2,000 Years with Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks. Uh, and for those who cannot see the video that I will probably try and put out on Patreon, you have a Blazing Saddles background. So I'm assuming Mel Brooks is a big part of your life. Mel Brooks is a very big part of my life. Blazing Saddles is pr pretty much, I'm one of those dudes who, when someone asks, like, hey, name your top five, almost anything, I always, like, lead with, okay, I'll give you my top five movies, pasta, cereals, but, like, you have to understand, if you ask me tomorrow, there's a good chance that two of these are going to be replaced with something else, because I'm a very moody person. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those types of people that when I go on vacation, if I go on vacation for three days, I pack like nine things to wear because I don't know if I'm going to want to wear this or this or this, what I'm feeling. Um, but Blazing Saddles consistently is it's number one favorite movie of all time. Always has been probably Same. always will be. Um, I got introduced to it when I was a kid because it was my dad's like one of his favorite movies. And it was a, a big bonding moment for us. And he's told me in later years that like, that was a big moment for him because he was kind of worried, like, oh, my God, if my son doesn't like this movie, I have no son, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I did. And as a kid, like, I, I would probably, it'd probably be disingenuous to say that it, it was mostly like, you know, the fart scene and, mm -hmm. and just how goofy they were. And then I get older and I'm like, oh, my God, this <laughs> is so ahead of its time. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, Mel Brooks and, and his uh, ouvoir, as it were, has he's he it's like Mel Brooks, Bugs Bunny, Jerry Seinfeld, Tim Wilson. That's my Mount Rushmore of comedic influences. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like the Bugs Bunny is up there. That's you yeah, know what you're for sure. There, there's for nothing sure. wrong with that. I uh, yeah, it's one of those movies that I feel like I saw it at just the right time mm -hmm. where uh, it was not uh we're, my parents waited because they're like, we're not going to have a movie fil filled with that word and then not have right, right, what right. irony is. So right. they gave it a bit because, uh, yeah. And so it hit me at just the right moment. I was like 15 or 16. I was just like, oh, this is this is beauty. Well, this I'm from I'm from Marjorie Taylor Greene's district here in North Georgia. So I'd actually heard that word more in the day leading up to seeing that movie sure. than was in the movie. So what does it matter? It may as well have funniness to it. You know what I mean? Right. And at least yeah. it's said for a, a reason, uh, you know. Yeah, and by a black person sometimes. Yeah, thank goodness. Um, yeah. When do you have a history with this record, or is this something you picked because you like Mel Brooks? It's some. It, I don't have. I mean, I have a history with this record in terms of I like it. I love the two thousand year old man as a character, and I just uh, 
yeah, if I'm if I ever get to choose, like, hey, we're we're gonna talk about comedy. What do you want to talk about? I'm gonna try to. If it was a if it was a hey comedy movie, I would have picked Blazing Saddles. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was like, I want to, I want to, I always uh, want. If I leave any sort of footprint out there in the world, I need people to know that Mel Brooks was the guy, you know, and podcaster mm-hmm. forever. So I want his not not that. Oh, if if we didn't talk about Mel Brooks, Lord, he would be lost to the annals of time. Uh, <laughs> But I just I just love Mel Brooks and I any opportunity to, to talk about him I'll, I'll take it. That's absolutely fair. Do you know when you first heard of or heard the two thousand year old man in Eddie in any iteration? There are a million of these records, by the way, so we could have picked any of them. But right, um, probably I I wouldn't have been a very very young kid because when I was a kid, Mel Brooks was very much just. Blazing Saddles, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, that guy. And then I get older and I start studying about him. I was probably a teenager because I really started studying up on comedy. I started doing stand up at sixteen, and I, I'm, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta know all, everything about it. Oh my God, Mel Mel Brooks didn't just do movies; he had an act with this guy named Carl Reiner. That's Rob Reiner's dad. Oh my God. Um, so I'll probably, I would have been young, but uh, but really, truly listening to it and appreciating it. I think uh, like the first time I, I've heard it on vinyl for the record uh, mm. and it, and it was at the Vermont comedy club uh, where in the green room, they have, uh, they have a bunch of old comedy records and stuff. That's and I would have listened to it. Yeah. And it's great. You just sit back there and play them, get drunk. <clears throat> and I definitely would have listened to it then. And, you know, probably in it and, and listening to it today for this show, I was like, God, it, it holds up so well. Like Mel Brooks, that's one of the best things about Mel Brooks is kind of, as you know, comedy tends to even the good stuff sometimes age like bread. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really. No, no. There's there's stuff in this where I, I, I couldn't remember. You know, I, I never know when I dig back, because even going back, we've been doing this show 10 years now, going back, I'm like, oh, I would never have said that about that record. Oh, I would have, something else would have popped out about this bit or that bit. But this this feels pretty solid every time I've listened to it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a, like, there's a couple references to, act, you know, like famous people of the time that I'm like, maybe I heard that name, but that just doesn't carry the weight that I'm sure it did with that audience. But yeah. like, aside from that, like, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just quality stuff, man. It's really mm-hmm. good, and it's got. Uh, and I apologize because anybody, any of my observations are very likely stuff that feels new to me. But I probably said ten times because we've talked mm-hmm. about it before in the show. But I mean, every time I re-listen to it, I hear new. Um, you know, as an improviser, uh, I hear bits and pieces of where Carl Reiner's brain is going because I know that these were bits that they had planned out and worked out before, but they're not clearly not word for word. That's of partially what I love about it is that it's very much uh, up to their whims on the night. Um, it feels it's got that energy that I don't think a lot of acts had at the time because there wasn't a ton of improv on stage. Yeah, there's there there are those moments where you I mean, as an improviser, you can tell and I've, I've done a little improv, but I'm mostly a, a, a stand up comedian. But even in that, there's some improv. But like the 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 best improv can be in that setting is like, all right, we know the material, but let's not be married to it. So we've got these. It's like it's like bowling with the gutters. Just fucking throw it down there, and mm. it's gonna bounce off of something. And if you made a bad throw, we're gonna get there. Like we know mm-hmm. we know where we can come back to. Because like when I'm when I'm writing bits, that's how I am. Like on stage, I'm like, I got the punchline, and I know it's good because I did it last night, and it's good. So we can kind of shimmy shimmy a little bit and if we start to kind of lose it boom we got that and you can hear that in these guys where there was a couple times where it sounded to me like mel was like all right we know what we're doing let me have a little fun here and give give carl something maybe he didn't he didn't know i was going to give him you know mm-hmm. yeah it, it, especially a couple times too where where's the one that i wrote down <laughs> In there, uh, we can flip all over the place if we want, but there's a bit where they go into a coffee house. The whole second half of the record is in a coffee house, mm-hmm. and it's just an excuse for Mel Brooks to do characters. And Carl Reiner's interviewing him as an actor, and at some point he says, I made a mistake. You're not an actor, are you? I don't <laughs> yeah. know what's going on there, but clearly it's like, did yeah. I remember correctly? Or it's I know a- that that was a moment in the record that I really, really wanted to be in the audience. I wanted to see like what 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 all it was that like tri- triggered him to... Uh, to stop yes anding for a second and be like, hold on, what, uh, what are we doing? <laughs> and he, you know, again, notoriously, you know, obviously he's the straight man because you can't not be in a room with Mel Brooks. Can you imagine be uh, having the energy and like ability to keep up with Mel Brooks as a straight man? I don't know that I could do, do it. Dude, let me tell you something. 
And that's this was Mel Brooks in his prime. When I hung out with Mel Brooks uh, at, I got to spend my 31st birthday with him. Oh my uh, God. Yeah. So I'll never beat that. Like no. that's it. Uh, his son, his son Max and I are, are friends and, uh, and I got invited over there for dinner, and he. It, this is the first night I meet Max, for the record. We were at Bill Maher's, like, one of his rap parties or whatever. They found out I was in town. I was staying at an Airbnb, didn't have anywhere to be, on, and my birthday was the next day. She's like, let me hey, come over. I'll cook you pasta. And I was like, okay. And he goes, and just so you know, you know, I'll have to warn you, Dad's going to be there. And I'm like, oh, no, <sighs> terrible. <laughs> so I go over there, and Mel's at this time 96, I think. Mm-hmm. And he jumped up in a chair and sang happy birthday to me. And then and then he he um he he found out I was from the South and he goes, Oh my God, oh my God, you know I went to Virginia Military Institute. And then he starts singing. He's like, Is it true what they say about Dixie? And he's dancing and he's doing the full Mel Brooks song and dance, 96, crushing it, sharp as attack. So like, no, I can't imagine it. when this album come out, 1961. 1960. That son of a bitch was on fire. There's mm-hmm. no way he wasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, uh, was such a ball of energy that uh, at some point Sid Caesar was so upset with him that he hung him out of a window and was going to kill him. <laughs> One of my favorite stories of all time. And th- and that's true that that happened, right? Like Sid, it, I believe, and, yeah, he admitted it in his biography. He's like, "This and, is a bad move on my part, but I did it." <laughs> and that's so crazy, like how much those guys. And I mean, I love Sid Caesar too, but yeah. obviously, I, I didn't, I didn't work with him and have the, I didn't have the adoration that those guys felt about Sid Caesar the way me and you were sitting here talking about Mel Brooks, mm-hmm. probably to to a larger degree because they actually got to work with him. And I feel like this is how weird Hollywood is sometimes and how much we just let a lot of stuff go when someone's really talented. Mel probably still talks about him that way, even though he hung him out of a window. He's like, well, you know, the guy, he was, uh, what are you going to do? It's crazy. (laughs) He was crazy. He was an alcoholic at the time. There's a lot of stuff going on. All stuff that I think he had to contend with. If I remember correctly, I'm trying to, I feel like the story was either Mel had stolen his wallet as a gag or he Mm -hmm. thought he had. And oh. then he was basically like, fuck you, I want my wallet back. You do not do this to Sid Caesar and hung him out the uh, window. <laughs> oh, my. And is this just when, like, Mel and his, Mel's, like, his head writer? I think so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then, he, and then Mel gets a raise, and he's like, hey, he's not that bad. Yeah, guy. exactly right. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, at this point, things we know about history, there are a few other people he could have hung out the window, and I would have been okay with it. Just saying. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, do you, so on this record, well, okay, let's let's start here. With the 2,000-year-old man character, there's just so much to work with. It's like the most, I don't know, there's just so much in there. It is just such an, uh, not an easy premise, but a, a premise rife with possibilities. Um, uh, what's your favorite part, what, what's your favorite uh, element of that character? Well, it's the, it's it's not that easy to get to. I think it like... It's one of those things where, like, once you have it, it's like, oh my god, this is—it's such a great joke bucket. Like a guy like Mel Brooks, you're you're the two thousand year old man. Go out there, have have a good time with it. My my favorite my favorite part was the, um, oh my god, what was the thing with his ex? With how many wives he'd had? Uh-huh. Was he'd had like three hundred or four hundred something wives? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, and he goes, uh, he goes, uh, how many? God dang it. He's like, you had 300 and something ex-wives? He goes, yeah. Do you have anything to say about him? He's like, I really only remember one of them. She was something else. They go, it was which one? The third one. I don't know why. I don't know why, but just the third one cracked me up. Like, he didn't say her name. Just the third one. Mm-hmm. That really, 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 really cracked me up. And I love I love the, the breaking of the fourth wall within the bit of where he you can tell he gets lost with what age he's actually talking about <laughs> yeah. and he's talking about Joan of Arc and he's like uh he's like she's like yeah she's like I'm gonna go save France I'm like well you do that I'm gonna go take a bath like <laughs> it's just so, it's just so that's a, it's all just classic Mel Brooks that taking this grandiose idea but then giving it the I don't know the just the tiny slice of life treatment he was just so good at that is it- it's this gutsy premise where, like, you know, I do sketch comedy, too, and one of my favorite things to do is to just fuck with history. It's a classic mm-hmm. thing to be able to take a yeah. piece of history, but he has the balls to be like, no, basically all of recorded human history, I'm that's my, that's what yeah. I'm working with. Whole thing. Everything. <laughs> so, then Everything. Carl Reiner can ask him about anything. Robin Hood. Did you know Robin Hood? Yeah, he stole from everybody, and he kept yeah, he st- everything. 
He kept everything. Yay, pranced through the forest. <laughs> but because of Marty the press agent, he, he had good press, so that's why we remember him so well. Marty Abs- the press agent. Absolutely tremendous stuff. <laughs> Uh, do you now? This is one of those weird things that I feel like if if you had picked this without having heard the record, you probably would have been like, I had no idea that there are these other characters. Because when I first heard these records, I was like, I assume they'd just be the two thousand year old man the whole time. I definitely probably did too. Um, what, do you have any particular favorites among the rest of them? Do you have him in your? Can you list them yes, all? Yes, absolutely. So the, okay. the next one is Fabiola, who yeah, was that was a, right. uh, yeah. a rock and roller, an yeah. astronaut. Yeah. <laughs> um, and at the coffee house, there's a depressed guy, an actor. Actually, it is, it, the depressed one, it is actually a woman. Uh, right. The actor, the painter, the folk singer, the Peruvian, and the psychiatrist. I certainly enjoyed the actor. I enjoyed I enjoyed what Mel did with, with all of that. I, mm-hmm. I like that he was... And I mean, we, we constantly you know play around with that oh i'm a crazy eccentric actor trope but i mean this is in the 60s he's sort of kind of uh, inventing the form there and i really really enjoyed that yeah. i enjoyed the whole thing i just enjoy i enjoy how similar they all it's like it's not like mel brooks has so much range yet doesn't have any range I, and i mm-hmm. that i can't say that without it, that sounding like an insult but it's not but mel is like i don't have to put on a completely different voice or a completely different i'll just look i say i'm this i'm this you all believe me who cares and Mm -hmm. i just love that the accents fall off here and there yeah of course they do (laughs) except for and i think my favorite bit is the peruvian which i had forgotten the bit again until we got halfway through it well actually until you get it right in the beginning you find out he's in argentina and he's supposed to be a a native (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) And then he's just like blurting out, like doing the most obvious Nazi references. And <laughs> that's a thing that never gets old with me mm-hmm. with with Mel Brooks is just is just how how much joy you could tell he took in mm-hmm. taking the piss out of Hitler and, and the Nazis, like like it was his job, which it was. And mm-hmm. I really I, I enjoyed that. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things where I feel like people, if they don't get, if you've heard him talk about it. You can tell that that is that's his life's work. If yeah. you know, like that is very much like. Well, no, I'm not going to stop people. If, if if nothing else, turn him into an, an historical joke. It doesn't make you take him any less seriously, but it does certainly make you not. Uh, it makes you you know hate him more. I think you know. Yeah, for no, for sure, for sure, for sure. And it's also like uh, it goes against the grain of how some people talk nowadays. Like I will say, for instance, maybe my father, uh, <laughs> who is who is like. Oh yeah, you know, comedy was better when I was a kid when it wasn't political and they didn't get into all this yada yada. I'm like, oh really, Dad? Who's one of your favorite comedians? Mel Brooks, that guy. He never, <laughs> you know, he never got into that territory. I'm like, famously, famously, <laughs> blazed a trail, as a lot of people would say. Yeah, Hitler on ice. Uh, yeah. You oh know. my God, that's history of the world. Is that history of the world part one? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, that's God, that's a great movie. Oh, it's so fucking good. I need to rewatch that. There's, there are, uh, we discussed the record, which is like, have you ever listened to any of the records of the movies? Because they mix soundtrack, like music no. and dialogue. No, I have not. Oh, they're very good. They're a lot of fun. The Blazing Saddles one, I've never heard because the original is way too rare. They've recently re like released a soundtrack of the movie, but I, which I don't own on vinyl because I can't find it. But the original one is like impossible to find. And I don't know if it's the same or not. So do you mean they would like it would be the songs from the movie and then every now and then there would just be like little clips of the actual dialogue Pretty from the movie? Pretty lengthy clips, yeah. Oh, that's tremendous. So you get a no, rough I've, idea what the movie is. Oh, that's fantastic. No, I've never never in my life heard that. I I mean I've got some movie soundtracks mm-hmm. but you know like Robin Hood. Sure. Like Roger Miller stuff. Mhm. Yeah, he did at least with Young Frankenstein and with History of the World he did that and the one guy interviewed was like, "Oh, I'd heard the record before I'd ever seen History of the World, so I like the record more cuz that's what I grew up with." That is such a bizarre concept to me. Mm-hmm. That is same. I like yeah, the I I I'm I'm familiar with the books better than the movie, but I've never been familiar with I like the record more than the movie. Like that's I, kind I of will wild. say, I'm that way with Monty Python. I like the records more than the show. Much as I yeah, love the show. I can do, do you, is it because you think visually it doesn't hold up so much that that kind of takes away your enjoyment? There's a big part. If not take away my enjoyment, it's just that the audio of the albums is so fucking rich by comparison yeah, yeah, yeah. to how cheap the show looks. It's like right. there's just so much more work is put into it, and I know there was. 
and if people aren't aware of this, if I haven't harped on about this enough, I've interviewed the guy who produced most of their records, who started with them when he was 17. Really? says a lot for his power as a producer, but yeah. Jesus Christ, Lord. I just found out the other day that George Harrison produced the movies. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that. because I, I, I've been wanting to revisit the Holy Grail, but I'm I'm always worried when I go when I go back and look at some. I'm like, ah, oh, you just keep it the way. It's like I feel like that's why it's like with certain certain family members. I'm like, closed casket. Let's just remember them <laughs> the way that they were. You know, not after the Bobcat incidents. Let's just keep, let's just you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, but I, now, well, now I want to go get the freaking records. Yeah. It's that sounds it. tremendous. And is that like a whole subculture of people that collect the comedy movie album? I mean, there might be. There's not enough of them out there, I don't think, yeah. to make it a thing. I'm trying to think, and I I need to look up and see if the Blazing Saddles thing has it, because I have the single of I'm So Tired. I have the 45 of that, but I don't have the full. I've never I been mean, able to find the soundtrack for cheap. I know we came on here to talk about the record, but is there anyone <laughs> funnier than Madeline Kahn in no. almost anything? God, no. dude. No, if you don't fall in love with her immediately, then I don't know what to say. No, I agree. I agree. Like, I think if I could, if if I had a genie and they're like, you could be with one woman from any moment in time, I would be like, Madeline Kahn, Circa Blazing Saddle, send me back there right now. Do a Thanos snap, whatever you got to do. I'm in. (laughs) That's who it is. She's gorgeous. She's funny. I, I love her. Yeah. No, she's a, she's a god. I mean, there's 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 no getting around it, and that yeah, that I was I was at least happy that if I can't get anything else on vinyl, that I have that song because it's yeah. so fucking funny. Oh, it's great. Uh, she's a genius. Uh, I need to find an excuse to talk about her for an entire hour on this podcast before we shut the whole thing down. Because yeah. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this question about um, sure about this album because I don't know uh, mm-hmm. was did was this a thing that Mel and Carl did on stage like in and around LA when they were working on other things or were they, or were they on the road touring with this to you know? the best of my knowledge and I apologize because I'm not the expert people often assume I am but <laughs> it was a party thing they legitimately yeah. performed it at parties and then I think it you know I should look this up but uh, yeah it, it started out as a party thing a lot like I've heard mixed reports about whether or not that's true about Bob Newhart, but it's sort of the same kind of thing. Hey, we perform for our funny friends, and some of them are rich, and they said, hey, you should go make a record, or you should go perform this live, you know? Yeah, that happened a crazy amount back then. I was actually just, uh, we were talking about Jerry Clower, who is a Southern oh, humorist yeah. comedian. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, have you talked about any of his albums on here? We have. It was a weird session, because I didn't know what to make of it. <laughs> That's tremendous. I, it's, it's funny. I almost when I picked Mel Brooks, but I thought maybe I should go with Jerry Clower because it's more reflective of like it's more reflective of my region. Mel Brooks is more reflective of probably my personality and who I actually feel that I who I lie to myself in the mirror and say, this is the type of comedian you are. But really, it's Jerry Clower in a bucket of chicken. Um, <laughs> but Jerry Clower, it was like what you said, like his early records were as literally he, he was a fertilizer salesman mm-hmm. and uh he would just be at these. He would be at, at these tractor supply type places, and this guy came up to him one time. He's like, "Hey, uh, by the way, I, I just recorded everything that you did. Your whole little speech." And he's like, "Okay." And he goes, "Can I make a record out of that?" And he's like, "Do whatever you want. I don't care." And and that went platinum. <laughs> like, what, what a great, Holy what shit. a great time to be breaking into something. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was and his whole career launched after from being a man who could literally sell shit. I mean, that is a, that is a perfect beginning to a a weird, I hesitate to even call it comedy. It's very niche. Right, <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, for sure. Or or is it? Or is it because maybe I'm talking as a very uh, not Southern gentleman? Well, so, it, could be th- it could be that. I mean, it definitely could be that. I, w- I watched um, one of his older, well, his like later like specials. It was like, you know, live from Gatlinburg or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and like... He had in some of them. It's like okay, that's a that's a good story, but it definitely wasn't set up. There's no set up punch. And then sometimes he would just be talking for like eight minutes, and it was just oh, he's just trying to tell us not to do drugs. That wasn't funny at all. He's just like I know that comedians constantly give you their opinion, but like there's always like you know a fart joke included with it or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I I think that he I would I would. Uh, I would say he was a a humorist and a yeah. storyteller. I would mm-hmm. put him in that category. He's a weird and he by the way also one of the other things is he's one of the most prolific comedy album creators I've ever seen. 
Oh yeah, I think I mean, at least twenty, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And that's pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 especially considering how relatively short his comedy career was. His for sure. Career. And also just the way back, like comedy nowadays, it's like well, you better have twenty specials because you have yeah. to put out one every year. But like back then, people didn't do that. People kind of you t- you just toured on your act, and like they were like, no, I would never put it on record and send it out then i can't do it anymore you know yeah. so like that is pretty that is pretty insane yeah but i'm interested in this the the mel brooks carl reiner just being at parties i'm interested in that that period where people were just like wearing suits drinking yeah. martinis in people's living rooms doing a 2000 year old man sketch can you imagine being at that party no no i can't oh and here okay so i'm seeing a note here that does say numerous people such as george burns suggested to the two that they put their material on an album and only steve allen managed to coax the two to to come record it in his studio and so that's that's how it, it doesn't tell me a whole bunch about the touring but at least it was definitely a record thing my guess is they would just like get together sell a bunch of fucking tickets and we're like hey we're doing another record you guys want to be here for the audience and i mean must have been hit that's another thing that's so crazy about that is like how how polished and veteran these dudes sound in this to me yeah. and it's like oh this is their very 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 early work like yeah. very early work dude my like my very early work i have like paid people to scrub from the internet <laughs> <laughs> like been like please don't let anyone get a hold of any of my early early work like even stuff that like I was like seven years in the game, I look back on now. Granted, it was an age thing. Like I started when I was sixteen, so you have to understand it, anything in that the first eight years. I hate that guy. Like he's stupid mm-hmm. and young and and. But like yeah, these guys are just. I don't know. Like he he genuinely does. Mel Brooks in here convinces me that he's the two thousand year old man, and he's what he's like twenty five years old. He's so young. He's so you know young what I mean? Here. Like he, yeah. but but he's he's never not sounded like Mel Brooks. It's crazy. He's just got this, he's got this, uh, just air of wisdom about him that even comes through, uh, in in audio. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. I I feel like we're 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 dancing around the fact that he sang it to you, your birthday, and how much I hate you for that. <laughs> I do not Dude. hate you. I do no, not. No, listen. You, but I'm so jealous. I do listen, man. I, I gotta tell you, like I, I did tell people when that happened, I was like, I don't there there's nowhere to go from here. I mean, I'll okay. never I mean he literally is my my number one idol. And uh yeah, getting to do that and getting to stay in touch with the family's been has been pretty pretty cra- Oh, and, and I'll tell you what, and God rest Carl Reiner's soul, that's actually so you know, they they famously have had like dinner together every night for like 50 years that's why he left we were eating for my birthday and he didn't eat because he was he was just sat there with us and hung out and mm-hmm. then he goes all right well happy birthday it was good to see you but gotta, i gotta go to carl's house and he walked over to carl reiner's house like he my, my birthday was his first stop and then he went to see carl reiner that's so and yeah good yeah dude i mean it was a it's the best moment of my entire life i got mm-hmm. and i got a, a photographic evidence of it that mm-hmm. uh yeah yeah pretty good stuff i think it's up here somewhere it's somewhere in this room <laughs> so good yeah. Um, okay, so we know we, um, we're going to go around a bit because we, I think we're just going to have to talk about Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner. That's fine. That's fine with me. Do you? Oh, actually, first, like, what's your level of? And feel free because I don't have a whole lot. What's your level of knowledge on like uh, your show of shows? Because there's not a lot out there to be able to watch. But like the Sid Caesar show, have you seen much of it? Uh, just in clips, like Same. on documentaries and stuff like that. I Cliff is it Cliff Nesterhoff? Is that how you pronounce his name? Mm-hmm. Okay, I never said it out loud. I've only read it, I, but I've read the comedians like three times, mm-hmm. and so I, I have all of Cliff's knowledge of Sid Caesar that he put in those pages. Okay, I possess what I don't know what I've retained, what I could fire off right now. But I read, sure. I was very interested in that in that era um, of television. But like, I haven't, I haven't seen seen enough. Yeah. You know? No, same. It's 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 harder to get a hold of. Also, it's just yeah, for sure. Physically, it's it's they didn't preserve shit back then. No, and when they tried, you know, they were kinescopes were literally shot off of a fucking TV screen. So it's film shot off of a TV screen, and uh, the only reason we know who Lucille Ball still is is because she got her way, and they shot all their shows on film. So that's, oh, God. and thank God for that. Like yeah. that's such that's such a in retrospect like mm-hmm. super sad thing. Like. I th- yeah. Now, now me like we because we live in the world now where 
you have to go out of your way for something not to be permanent. Oh, for sure. You, you know, like if you want something not to be permanent, you got to have NDAs. You got to be in a sealed off location. You got to mm-hmm. have everybody has to put their phones in a bag that you zip up and lock. Um, but I, yeah, because I'm very happy that there were not cell phones when I first started doing stand up because there would be some jokes out there and me and you would not be talking right now. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, but man, it's such a tragedy that you hear about all these things and you're that that they did and you're like, I will no, we will never see that. Yeah. And that's and that's such a hard. I don't know about you, but whenever I'm like, I decide I'm going to watch this movie tonight mm-hmm. and then I go and it's not on any of the streaming services. And I'm like, well, that's OK. I'll just buy it on Amazon. And s- somehow randomly, it's not available on Amazon. And I'm not able to get it. Mm-hmm. The amount of fury that goes through my body because I've been conditioned to live in a world where <laughs> if you want to see something, mm-hmm. you just clickety clickety enter. Boom. There it is. So, yeah, that that really sucks that we can't see a lot of the uh, show of shows. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, it was that way for a while. For uh, I realize I still have my news radio background up. It was that way for a while. I love that. Yeah, I, I thought I saw Phil it. Hartman back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is my favorite TV show of all time. The, the same as I, where I always keep Blazing Saddles there for movies. News radio is always there for TV. So for a long time, every time it it's on, I, I always watch it. But is there a place? Is there anybody streaming it right now? Is there uh, you can you can buy it on Amazon. You okay. can stream it two seasons at a time through Crackle because Crackle is shit because Sony yeah. doesn't know what they're doing. That's why I yeah. just bought the DVDs and ripped them all and just took the time to rip them so that I can just watch them at home. It's just the okay, easiest that's, way to do yeah, it. Yeah, that, that's tremendous. You got very excited there, by the way. I, that's how I know that's your favorite show because I can I stream it anywhere? You're by God, let me tell you exactly <laughs> where. You can get it on Amazon and I suggest you do. But this is you know. Oh, you can't see it. You can't see it. That's, that's a season three crew sweatshirt because I... And now know basically everybody who's involved with that show because I'm obsessed. It's uh, it's it's one of those like. So yeah. you got you got a crew jacket from somebody. I do. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome. I also. Well, do you like that show? Have you seen that show enough? Oh yeah. I, oh okay. Oh, I've. I mean, not like. It's not okay. A, no, but no, not enough. Sure. I, I haven't seen it enough. But it's one of those that every. Here's how. Here's my relationship with news radio. Yes. Every time it's on TV, I go, oh yeah, and then five minutes in, I go, why don't I watch this more? Right. Like right. Phil Hartman's really good. Joe Rogan's really good. Andy Dick's really like the everybody on there is really, really, really good. I can't shut up about this, so I'm just going to tell you very quickly what's Keep going back here. Um, uh, all of Phil Hartman's costumes were destroyed or given away because after he died, they didn't. The studio was like, "No, you can't sell these based off of some, some macabre, gross people buying them because he's dead, and then right. selling them for a mint." So they were all destroyed. Um, and uh, then I talked to the lady who had gotten rid of them. She's like, "Oh, so oops, I accidentally have one thing left." And I have it. It's his suit from this space episode where it was a whole space station. I don't know if you can. Can you? No, you can't really see it if I lift. No. Oh, there it is. There There's it is. Space oh my suit god! Right back there. So that's again. This is. I, I'm never going to get a prop from Blazing Saddles. So right. at least I'm going to obsess over my favorite TV show of all time. Dude, that's that's pretty. Dude, having something to Phil Hartman's is right? pretty rad. Yeah, right? that's that's one of them guys that he uh, amongst my generation. We we saw the tail end of him. I mean, when he died, like we de- we were watching Saturday Night Live, we were glued in because that was the Farley years and, and yep. yada yada yada. Yeah. But I think that he's one that Farley's always going to be remembered as big, boisterous dude. And obviously Sandler did the song for him, which I got. Oh man, I got a great story about that. I got to see. I got a great Adam Sandler story. Um, and but Phil Hartman's one of those guys that was almost like so good that he goes under the radar. Yeah. And then you're, but then every time you watch an old sketch with him, you're like, Jesus Christ, he was born to do Sinatra. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Just absolutely amazing stuff. Have you ever seen? Okay, because I think this is on the Blu-ray in every version of the DVD. Have you seen the pilot of the Blazing Saddles TV show? No, I didn't even. What? You're blowing my mind right now. <laughs> yeah, starred. Okay, I don't want to get this wrong. If I'm not mistaken, it was Lou Gossett Jr. Give me one second, so I don't get. It was oh, called. Oh man, it was called Black Bart. Okay, um, I feel like I have to turn in like revoke like my fandom or something. I didn't no, even no. know this was a thing. Well, because the show's the show's not good. Now, what I've recently right, right, heard right. is there's, and I don't know if this is true. This could be completely apocryphal. It's complete complete bullshit. But what was passed to me was that. Not only was there a pilot, but there was some deal where Mel Brooks, basically they said after a certain period, uh, you know, we get to spin this off into whatever properties we want, Mel, because we own it, unless something else is developed. And supposedly they shot like rapid fire two seasons of the show, and those two seasons never, they're just banked somewhere. 
So Uh-oh. wouldn't you love it? I even if it's shit, I want to see it. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I want to see it. But like, it, and that's funny because I almost just said something that in hindsight is really stupid. I almost said, "Was that for network?" And it's like, of course it was. That's all there was back then <laughs> right, was right, network. Right. But like, yeah, the the idea of someone, anyone, anybody that worked in television at the time, seeing Blazing Saddles and thinking to themselves, "This can follow Rifleman," you know, or right. something like like you know, we could do we could adapt this for a place that completely and solely relies on craft macaroni and cheese dinner sponsoring us for an entire hour like that's so insane and hilarious to hear and like you know i i don't need to hear these certain words uh, to get the point across that racism is bad but whatever yeah. alternative they come up with for tv for two seasons worth is like this is would have been insulting yeah, you because know. that's a, that's another thing with it too. You go, it's it's also insulting that you're acting like they wouldn't say it. Don't right. let them it's off the also, don't yeah, let right. them off the hook. That that was what I was. That was like <laughs> one of my main arguments to somebody when they were talking about Django. They were like, I mean, my God, it's every other word. I'm like, well, you know, they were slavers. So mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think Don Johnson would have said? Because I got to tell you, right. if he doesn't say it, in mm-hmm. my opinion. They're kind of acting like this dude's a little bit better than he was. Like that's one hundred percent Leonardo. Yeah. Di- so Leonardo DiCaprio can pay him fifty bucks to beat each other to death, but he's not going to say that. All right, come on now. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah. No, you're <laughs> right though. Do you? Uh, um. Okay. Let's. <laughs> I guess let's get back to the record. I just can't stop. Oh yeah, my bad. We got off the rails. No, yeah. you. It's not your bad. I fucking. I did it. I did it to us. And um, I can't stop talking about Blazing Saddles either. So don't look to me to don't look to me to steer the ship. <laughs> Okay, what's who's your favorite character in Blazing Saddles? I, I mean, probably. I know it's a rough question. It's a rough question because it might be Headley. I played him on stage once. Really? Yeah. God, that guy was something else. Holy fuck, man! Harvey Corman. Mm-hmm. What a fella! I think about him all the time. That was such a huge part of my childhood. Was sitting uh, in my grandmother's living room floor watching Carol Burnett show. And Harvey Corn, and this is probably would have been before I saw Blazing Saddles. So when I when I saw Blazing Saddles, I was like, "There's, you know, yada yada." Um, probably Headley. I mean, look, every single person in the movie smashes. Not yep. one person doesn't smash. Uh, Slim Pickens oh. is great, and that, especially because he wasn't really an actor; like he really was just like a ranch hand guy. And I remember when I was a kid and I heard that, I was like, "Okay, whatever." And th- <laughs> You know, because I didn't, I didn't have the capability of understanding what acting was. No yeah. idea. Yeah. And then I get older, and and I don't at all consider myself an actor, but I do act in things poorly. But because <laughs> of that, and because I know how difficult it is, I go, "What? That guy was? <laughs> he's unnatural. He's a yeah. comedic titan." Um, I mean, you got you. Then you got to count Mel Brooks like three times <laughs> in true. the movie. Mm-hmm. Because William J. LaPetame, I mean, my God, that dude, that one scene when he's just sitting there bouncing, they do the one shot. Hey, boys, good to see you. It's been like, I mean, it's, 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 it's truly, it's truly unreal. I, I gave the, you an impossible question. You did give me an impossible, the entire, I, I think you count the entire town as a character. Oh, yeah. And my goodness, God, they murdered. Then, of course, Madeline Kahn. How am I going to take anything away from her? Yeah. Okay, final answer. I'm going to say William J. Lepetame. That's perfect. Perfect yeah. choice. Oh, there's so there's so much good there. Or the so old lady that just randomly calls Bart the N-word. <laughs> <laughs> and he takes uh, it in stride because, of course, he does. Yeah, well, she did have a pie. <laughs> I, I, I love so much that there that you know it's great uh, you know you never know okay you ever listen to the commentary on any mel brooks movie no actually i can't say that i have worth listening to and then sure. uh, number two um i love listening to it and then listening to him retell a story with slightly different details later and it's not because yeah. his memory's failing it's because he's a bullshit artist and i right. love it it's funny that you say that because my dad has seen mel brooks twice live specifically on a blazing saddles tour where Mm -hmm. basically the whole gimmick is everyone watches the movie and then he gets up and he does his thing and answers questions or whatever which like dude i hope that's the career i want is to have one like one movie so iconic that i can just tour watch people enjoy my movie and then answer questions about the thing that they just watched that's the gig that's the gig of all gigs (laughs) but dad said 
he's like, I was sitting there listening. I'm like, I remembered the answers from the first time. And these, he's just like, and I'm like, yeah, that's, he's like, hey, the guy's just up there. Just like, it's like, hey, I want to, it's a new show. You know, what are you going to do? So that's tremendous. It's so good every time. And that's why I'm like, I don't know if any of these stories are true, which is why I like to go to the other people. Like if Gene yeah. Wilder tells a story because he's just got such pure heart, um, right. I believe every word he tells me. Right, exactly. And it's, I do too. It's impossible not to. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's like, oh, Mel yelled at me once and it was because of this. And it's like, oh, poor, poor Gene. That's, it's fine. I, I still I love Mel, but poor little Gene. Uh, because, I, you know, there are rumors, well, not rumors, but at least the way Mel Brooks has said it, uh, he's gotten this right a few times. He said it the same way a few times was that originally it was supposed to be, uh, I think, Gary Young or, uh, oh, yeah, also Pryor was also supposed to play yeah. Black Bart, but Gene Wilder's part was supposed to be Gig Young or somebody else and basically okay. was just puking all over the set. And they said, hey, Gene, do you want to do another movie? Yeah, like, yeah sure. I'll yeah, do you want to come in here and murder this? Yeah, I have, I've heard that too, that he came in like very, very, very last minute. Mm -hmm. Like, like legit last minute, like mm -hmm. maybe a couple days' notice. Right. Uh, and then and so and yeah and then there was like the two competing stories which was there's the one you hear Richard Pryor tell which was I was basically we wrote this character and it was going to be so important to the film and I was getting so famous that if I was to play the role people would only see Richard Pryor but if Cleavon Little plays it then they can actually enjoy the character and then there's the other side where people go no we couldn't fucking get insurance on Richard Pryor yeah. is the whole problem mm -hmm. and I'm like well. I know which one I want to believe. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like I, re I really want to believe this artistic Richard Pryor sacrificed screen time for the character. But like, I mean, I, I know what I believe. And also, I mean, in no offense to Richard Pryor, he's a good-looking man. There's almost nobody better looking than Cleavon Little in the history of movies. He's for sure too much of a stud. So yeah, yeah, absolutely adorable. I don't think that I don't genuinely don't think that. Uh, and, and maybe I'm short selling Richard Pryor's acting ability, but I don't mm. know that Richard Pryor could have pulled off the charm and innocence yet stoicness that Cleavon Little did when he's riding in. Like, I just, I mean, and, and maybe it's just because Richard Pryor's so goddamn funny to me. Sure. I'd I just be like, that's yeah, just Richard Pryor. He's just being goofy and funny, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you, okay, so uh, this is something we normally delve in earlier in the podcast. I'm, I'm, this is us being on the rails, by the way. Oh, um, cool. I know. Uh, did you have comedy albums growing up in the house? Is that something that uh, you were exposed yeah. to? Yeah, um, a lot of uh, CDs. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was a kid, my dad was, uh, and still is, in, in advertising. And so when I was a kid, he was constantly going down to the radio stations and selling his ads or buying time or whatever it is that they do. And because of that, he met a ton of comedians from the local comedy club, which was the comedy catch. They would be coming in to do morning radio at the time my dad was coming in to have a meeting. Oh, wow. And he would talk to these guys, and they were always nice and hung over and giving dad albums and stuff like that. And there was this one particular uh, dude, Tim Wilson, uh, re God rest his soul. Um, and dad had all of his albums, and he was this great country comedian. And I listened to all of them when I was a kid. And that's kind of what made me – I knew at like five I wanted to do comedy of some kind. I thought, mm -hmm. what, I thought maybe Saturday Night Live, I'd seen dad laugh at stand up comedians. So I was like, well, maybe that, but I didn't really know the difference. And I was like, funny on TV. That's what I want to do. Sure. And then listening to Tim Wilson CDs as a kid, I was like, nope, I want to do exact. Cause I saw like specifically how dad laughed at it. Okay. And I was like, I was like, I got to do that. I, I saw those CDs get my dad through the worst time of his life. And I was like, oh, that's something there. Like I, as a kid, I could connect the two. I was like, he doesn't he hasn't smiled in a long time and he smiled so uh then i i ended up uh then tim was the first show that i ever saw i snuck into the comedy club when i was <laughs> 15 and my buddy was 17 we snuck in see tim and my buddy was like we we see him and, and it's like it's a, the live is it's a whole different beast and we're like oh jesus god this place is on there it's alive like there's yeah. a there's an energy and uh and my buddy was like man you ain't ever gonna be that good and i was like no you're <laughs> right you're, i'm not you're right but I'll, I'll have to try and the next year i started doing open mics and then eight years later i opened for tim wow and, yep and uh yeah so yes we did we we were a very my my family's very fun i'm the there's i'm the there's four members there's my mom my dad my sister and me and I'm the fourth funniest. <laughs> I'm just the one that decided I I can I'll do this, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, don't, don't, don't you hate when that's the case? Where it's like, you know, at, at the very least, doesn't matter how successful I am or how funny I think I am, I know that they can lord themselves over me. I know of course. I know oh, absolutely. And, and everybody that ever meets them, they're like, Oh, you were the comedian, and I'm like, I know they're my, they're way funnier than me. They just they they don't need yeah the attention yeah it's that's the difference. You got to put ego mm -hmm. on top of all the skill that they've got, mm -hmm. and then you know I'm speaking from experience. Yeah, um, for sure, <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> do you have any anything? Uh, did you have anything older than? And it's great that you had a ton of contemporary stuff. But did you, was there anything older sitting around or no? Um, I mean. If you want to count like the Rory Roy Clark, uh, <laughs> Grand, Grandpa Jones, hee haw stuff, mm -hmm. then yeah, I mean, yep. we had a lot. We had a okay. lot of that. My granny was, I mean, that was that was her bag. And and over there at my granny's house, it was vinyl. Okay. Um, and and, and stuff. But we, she was a, you know, Grand Ole Opry, hee haw, Ralph Emery show, like all that, all that good stuff. So sure. yeah, there was definitely some. Uh, there was some Grandpa Jones albums. There was some. What was the? What was the? Fat feller in the overalls. Do you remember Junior? Junior, junior samples. samples. Junior, sam there junior go, sam thank you. Yeah. There was Junior sample stuff, and 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 yeah, there there was like that stuff. No, like actual like st what I would call a stand up mini Pearl. Sure. You know, the, yeah, like a, a and, and mini Pearl. I actually I would count her as a stand up comedian of her time. Like it wasn't really a wasn't as big as it is now. Like if she was doing what she was doing then, now we would be like, oh, that's what you call them. You know, uh, so we so we had yeah we had a, a little bit of that like everybody was everybody had a sense of humor. Yeah. Do you th is there um there's got to be I I'm assuming there's this weird thing where Southern comics and Southern comedy get relegated to its own genre as though mm -hmm. an accent should make it a genre. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if there are like some uh, underexposed uh, Southern comics or acts that I might not know about that you could. That pop off the top of your head. Yes, uh, Stuart Huff, Dale Jones. Those are definitely the two two big ones for me. Mm -hmm. um, those guys are. They've been you know, Dale's from. They're both from Kentucky. Now that like it's funny you say that because like you're right. It it is like it, but it's not called Southern comedy usually. It's called blue collar sure. comedy, which is weird. But it, it insinuates that if you have a Southern accent, <laughs> then you must be blue collar. Yeah. And for the record, I have no shame in that at sure, all, sure. like none whatsoever. But blue collar means, oh, they're going to be talking about, you know, my wife, this and 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 my car broke down. And mm -hmm. so there's no room in that for what that genre is to talk about anything more elevated. Mm -hmm. And then uh, as soon as you're a Southern comic that does start talking about anything more elevated, all of a sudden they go, oh, you're not really from the South. And it's like, yes, I am. Yes, I am. You can't Holy just shit. you can't just hear me breaking down Henry the Eighth's divorce proceedings and think <laughs> if he if that's the subject matter he's talking about, then this isn't classified as Southern humor because I'm I'm as country as cornbread. It's just I'm interested in that. Yeah. Um and Dale and Dale and Stewart are two dudes who they're not gonna like they Subject matter wise, you're not thinking Larry the Cable Guy, but their accents there, uh, country is cornbread, and and those are two dudes, and and I don't know, there was that moment I think like, that the South exploded with with Jeff Foxworthy and Larry and, and Bill and and Ron and all those, and and like, dude, I got nothing but respect for those guys, and like, I mean, Jesus, Jesus, God, like, me and the me and the dudes I tour with, like, we un, unabashedly and unashamedly, like, we we based our modeling tour on the blue collar comedy. Tour. Okay, yeah. Just yeah, it's like well, all right, it's three dudes, and uh, at the end they'll go back up and they'll talk and they'll do stand up and uh, Bob's your uncle, you know there it is. Um, we love those dudes, but I think that, that they got so big that now they're like, oh, you got a southern accent, Larry the Cable Guy, or you're Jeff Foxworthy, and it's like, we, I, I don't know, that's weird. I, I just never thought of like, oh, your New York accent, you're a, that's just you're a fun, you're a comedian, you know what yeah. I mean? You're funny. I don't care. Yeah. Well, and also, if people do the, the basic fucking math, where I'm from, upstate New York, we basically have southern accents. I've just pushed oh, it, it out of my fucking mouth, you know. Oh, upstate New York, I consider them very much rednecks. Uh, red uh -huh. because, because rednecks, what people don't understand, that's not southern exclusive. You know no, what I mean? That's no. red, Rednecks is a way of life. And really, it's 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 our, our country is not really as as north versus south as everybody thinks it is. It's really more rural versus city. And I sure. say that because I have 
more in common often with someone from Washington State, which is, you know, 36 hours away from me, <laughs> than I'll have with someone from Atlanta, Georgia, which is an hour and 30 minutes away from me because they grew up in the city. And nothing, ain't nothing wrong with that. Sure. But they grew up in the city. I grew up in a rural area, and the dude in Washington State grew up in a rural area. Me and him, accents are different, but we're speaking the same language. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I know that when he says, hey, man, I got to go to mama's house, that he has to go. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I know these things. Yeah. Uh, so so that's interesting. But with me, like, uh, I, I it's to I, com I know it sounds like I'm complaining about it, but realistically, I like it because it's a secret weapon. Because <laughs> when you're Southern and you don't, go up there and go if you you know you might be a redneck which again some of the greatest jokes of all time were sure. from that format but people get really confused at what i am and it sort of helps uh put butts in the seats just me being different so right I like yeah, it. of, co of yeah. course i mean there's there's nothing wrong with that it, it is it is uh it's not a gimmick if uh if you fuck with the expectation Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if if you were leaning into what people expected of you, well, then, yeah, sure, that's a gimmick, and that's not. Right. But, you know, right. you've got your own act. You've got your own personality. Yeah, like, and it's fine if you call it a gimmick. I don't care. Yeah, but I... Mm, I, I I'm, a, like I'm a wrestling fan, so mm -hmm. I actually, I throw the word gimmick out a lot and not as mm -hmm. an offense. So, sure. I got it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of it wrong. Because when I think of gimmick, I think of gimmick as the whole package rather than the right. thing that gets the butt in the seat. But maybe, maybe yeah. not. Maybe that is the thing that gets the butt in the seat, and the rest of it is you selling it. You, you know, you doing the thing. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. All right. Yeah, That's a sure. fair way. I'm always like trying to reassess how I look at comedic and showbiz terminology like novelty records and stuff. Oh, you know, sure, sure, sure. That becomes a pejorative, which it shouldn't because we oh, that's made interesting. A out of it, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. You're right. Novelty record. I could see that being like I would never in in, in a million years say that as an offense, mm -hmm. but I could see somebody being like, "Oh no," because yeah. there's there's little words like that that trigger me that people aren't that that say and they're like like uh, one of them for me that I can't that they're like, "Oh, you're a you're a content creator." Fuck. No, oh! no, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, I make out a window than hear that. Um, again. Me too. Me too. I can't. I, I can't. And I know that they don't know any better. Sure. And I'm like, but the word content just implies that it's anything. Mm -hmm. Like th this is this is this is content. Mm -hmm. The contents of my desk. You know, there's an mm -hmm. old cucumber on it. Like, <laughs> I can't stand you're a content creator. But I know that the some of the people that are saying that are, it's it's of no it's of no offense. Sure. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah, it gripes me. Um, should we go back to the record for a minute? Sure, we can. I'm know sorry. Sure I did not. No, I, didn't I mean did to do this. this. <laughs> I did this. This is what I did on purpose because I also okay. realized, like, I I took a bunch of notes. But uh, do you do you have a favorite bit on here that isn't the two two thousand year old man? Um, it would def. I think probably you said the, you like the actor. The actor, yeah, I like the actor. But I mean, you know, two thousand year old man. Like, it actually kind of surprised me. Mm -hmm. The positioning of the two thousand year old man in the album, like you would think that it would, they'd close with it, right? You know I mean? Right, right, it's, right. It's the, it's the strongest, and it's the name of the album. Now, granted, I could see them being like, "Well, yeah, it's the name of the album, so we better have it there first, so that people don't hear, you know, fifteen minutes of not that, and then sure. go, what is this? What I don't understand.' Yeah. Uh, but I, so I thought that was an interesting decision." But I mean, no, it's, I mean, yeah, obviously it's the 2000 year old man far and away. I would love to, and they, they did a, if I'm not mistaken, like mm -hmm. not that long ago, they did another 2000 year old man, correct? Yeah. I mean, not that long ago in terms of they did it 21 years ago now, which uh, depresses me, but yeah, that's actually 2000. what, yeah, that's actually to me, 2000 is not that long ago. And boy, you're right. It is. It is. Right. Them kids are drinking like madmen right mm -hmm. now. Mm hmm. Oh, when I first, I bought that the second I found out it existed, and like it took me a while. I was like, I don't know if this is as good. And then it took a few years because literally a couple references made more sense, and then a couple. Right. Uh, then I got also a little less picky, and I was like, No, this is this is a good album. It's yeah, not as yeah. good as the original because it will never be as good as these other ones. But it was still great listening to these at, at then seventy year old guys fucking off for an hour. It's great. Just just being buddies. Yeah, it's tremendous. I I rewatched their um their episode of comedians in cars getting coffee every now and then just to mm -hmm. make myself feel i'm like because ah, as, as how terrible and backstabby hollywood is like mm -hmm. just look at look at them go just look yep. at them go that's what it's all about right there if you can if you get one person like that yep. in this world that's tremendous 
What I mean, when I was a kid, I mean, I wanted nothing more than to be an old Jewish man. And so whenever I watched this thing, me too. Yeah, that was always my dream. (laughs) I was just like, I I didn't quite know what it meant to be Jewish. I was just like, I love how Yiddish sounds. Yeah. Uh, Everybody who's funny to me is Jewish. Me too. I guess I need to be Jewish. That's so funny that you say that when I was a kid and uh, like we like uh, Jeff Fox really was like was the first time I realized that someone like me could be a stand up comedian. Wow. Because I'd never I'd never heard my accent really doing that because I literally thought I would watch the Tonight Show with my dad. And every time they would bring him out or Johnny before I barely remember Johnny. But it would be like from from you know the comedy cellar in New York or from the laugh uh, uh, or from the comedy store in uh, uh, in Los Angeles. It was there was the only place they ever introduced comedians yeah, from, yeah. and I'm like, oh well, that's where they make those, you know. And then getting a little older, and I find out that like so many of the ones that I liked as a kid and my dad liked were Jewish. That's and that's all I knew what Jewish meant when I was yeah. a kid. To me, all Jewish meant was the group of funny old dudes absolutely you know yep. like that that's just what those guys are they're the funny old dudes that's what a jewish person is yep and, and then i found out it was a lot more complicated <laughs> <laughs> still funny yeah still sure. very funny on it arguably funnier considering you sure yeah you know what i mean absolutely true <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no that, that was that was like i feel like uh, up until you know i got a little bit older i was like oh okay it's a little more complicated but still yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. still haven't let go of that dream all right one of these days one of these days um okay here's the problem is i could talk to you for hours so let's let's cut this off and tell people why to listen to this record give me a couple sentences of why let's say somebody only knows uh you know them from some other project they only know blazing saddles if you want to hear two people who are genuine comedic titans and legends who are having a blast and it comes through this is the record that you need to listen to. This is a perfect combination of what I know is well-written jokes from one of the two of the greatest writers uh, of their generation and any generation, but also playful banner. You can tell when they're in the pocket like jazz performers to comedy, it is a masterpiece. Absolutely. That's perfect. Now, I did, uh, I'm really proud of myself for that. That was that's good. Succinct. Beautifully. No, absolutely. <laughs> I couldn't. I ask that question every week and I'm like, oh, that's better put than I could have done. I would have <laughs> fucking destroyed it. It would have been horrible. Um, okay. So I, I got to cut this part out because I don't know. Do, is there any urgency on me releasing this? Or no, not really? at all. Okay. So then uh, I will just say, so this episode is coming it for when You're going to save it for when Mel Brooks dies, aren't you? I know what you're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> this is coming out on June. I will tell you it's happened before. It makes me so upset when that happens. I'll talk. Yeah. Interviewed somebody about somebody so obscure to me. Yeah, I had Reese Darby on, and we talked about this New Zealand slash Australian comic who is hilarious and so funny. A week later, he dies, and I'm like, Oh my oh. god! I was like, Okay, well, I, well, I mean, you got to, well, I mean, you got to put yeah, that. Yeah, you got to exactly. Um, this is going to come out on June second. Cool. Um, so why don't you tell people where they can find you, and if anything's coming up that they should keep an eye out for? Uh, you can find me. It's real easy. I got everything up at CoreyRyanForester.com uh yeah and i have look you can go to uh, uh check out my podcast the well-read podcast through the screen door and uh i think by this time i think my new podcast putting on airs with trey crowder and Corey ryan forster will be out and it is a uh it's a podcast putting on airs if you're from the south you know exactly what i'm talking about that is two rednecks talking about fancy often british stuff oh in God. the uh first couple episodes i broke down henry the eighth uh, Marie Antoinette. We talked about wine. Uh, we've talked about uh, the period of time in uh, Britannia when they were obsessed with mummies. And so mm-hmm. it's just a super silly podcast that relies on the juxtaposition of uh, fancy stuff and rednecks kind of oh bucking God. up against each other. So I've never wanted to hear a podcast more in my yeah, life. It's real fun. <laughs> Holy shit. That's remarkable. Yeah, my mom is like a big fucking, she's obsessed with Henry the eighth. Like you, it's, she could challenge any historian on it. Like, I, so. I believe it. Well, I, I look, I'll, I'll debate That's your remarkable. mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to send that to her. I'm going to send her. She's yeah. going to want to yeah. listen to it. That's fucking great. <laughs> Oh, that's yep. amazing. Okay, so well, please. So you you also have a podcast problem. Um, I get it. I yeah, get it. I you sure do. A lot of shows. That's good. Though. Sure do. Yeah. Um, the pandemic, man. What were you gonna do? I, you know, well, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I've got anything to promote. Do I? I don't fucking know. Go to stolendress.com. That's where all my podcasts are. All my movies are. That's where all my books are. Um, that's about it. Thank you, Corey. Again, well, thank you. Show. Thank you for having me on, Jason. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, have a good thing. 
Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. You can email us at podcast at comedyonvinyl.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Comedy on Vinyl on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Comedy on Vinyl, or find everything in one place at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune in to the new Stand Up Records channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15 plus years. Stolen Dress Entertainment. Hey, it's my turn. Ah! <laughs>